Hello and welcome to the Golden Wheel Tavern. Today was a very interesting day at the tavern. We had a couple different folks come in, all who were proficient in magic, arcane and divine, and they decided they were going to see who had the best magic that wouldn't damage the place. I was intrigued, so I allowed it. Soon the tavern was coated in magically summoned critters, and there were illusionary fireworks and flowers all over the place. It really was quite the show. Even I had a hard time determining what was real and what was fake at certain points. I did get some interesting redecorating ideas out of it though. We'll discuss in detail what they did to make all that happen. It's a deep dive into magic that we'll be covering today. We've briefly covered spell casting before, and readying a spell was an action we discussed last time, but there's a lot of spell casting we've yet to cover. First, a spell has four pieces besides the effect, those being casting time, range, components, and duration. To start, let's talk about casting time, as that's one of the biggest restrictions to how you use your magic. A spell with a casting time of one action can be cast using your action typically during combat. These spells are going to be your meats and potatoes of casting during combats. Most damaging spells and all damaging cantrips are going to be an action to cast. This means that during your turn in combat, you can either cast the spell or hold it as a readied action, as we discussed last time. A spellcaster will most likely be using their action in this way, unless they're a Gish-type character, a Gish being a character that uses a mix between weapons and magic. Some spells have a casting time of a bonus action, and casting a spell as a bonus action comes with a restriction. If a spell is cast as a bonus action, the spellcaster cannot cast any other spells during their turn that round, other than cantrips with a casting time of one action. This applies even if the bonus action spell was a cantrip. It also does not depend on the timing. If a spellcaster wants to cast a bonus action at any point during their turn, the only other spell they can cast is a cantrip with a casting time of one action, even if they're to cast the bonus action after they cast the cantrip with a casting time of one action. Bonus action spells tend to lack damage, and instead are typically aimed at setting up for either the next action or the next turn. An example is the Paladin Smite spells, which typically are a bonus action and add more damage to the next attack they make with a melee weapon. Another example is Misty Step, which allows a spellcaster to possibly put some distance between them and an attacker, yet still hit with their action using a cantrip. Bonus action spells are helpful in a pinch, but rarely end a fight or turn the tide of battle. Some spells have a casting time of a reaction, and a trigger is usually described alongside the listing of its casting time. If this trigger is met, a creature can use their reaction to cast the spell. Typically, a reaction spell will be in response to either an attack or the casting of a spell. An example would be the spell Shield, which creates a barrier of magical force until the caster's next turn, granting the caster plus 5 to their AC, and possibly causing the triggering attack to miss. Some spells would require even longer to cast than an action, and have a time written in their description. 
The most common times are 1 minute, 10 minutes, and 1 hour. A few select spells may take more than 1 hour. These longer casting times typically prevent the casting of these spells in combat, as the caster would have to use their action every turn, of which there are 10 per minute, and if they take damage, they may lose their concentration, something we'll cover later. If they do lose their concentration this way, the spell slot is wasted, and they must try again from the start to cast the spell. Spells with a casting time of 1 minute can typically be used outside of combat with very little preparation. Spells with a 10 minute casting time may require the party to find somewhere slightly safe, or at least not in immediate danger, in order to pull off casting the spell. An hour or more almost guarantees to cast the spell, the party must secure a location for their spellcaster, lest they risk losing the spell. Not all spells have to be cast at their listed speed though. If a spell has the ritual tag, a spellcaster who has a feature that allows them to cast ritual spells can cast the spells as a ritual. Casting a spell as a ritual takes 10 minutes longer than normal, and the spell cannot be cast at a higher level than its original level, but casting a spell as a ritual does not take a spell slot. This gives some spellcasters a few reliable options in regards to spells, but rituals tend to not be too powerful, more utility than anything else, to avoid giving spellcasters an extremely powerful 10 minute cantrip. Every spell has pieces it needs to be cast, its components. There are three types of components, verbal, somatic, and material typically represented by V, S, and M respectively. Verbal components are the chanting of mystical words to resonate the threads of magic to create the effect desired. A creature who is gagged or silenced in some way, such as the silence spell, cannot cast spells with verbal components. Somatic components are gestures and movements to call forth the effects of magic desired. A creature must have free use of at least one hand in order to cast a spell with somatic components. Certain spells require specific objects, which will be listed in the spells listing in parentheses. If a creature has a component pouch or a spell casting focus, they can use that instead of the material components, unless the material components is listed with a cost or the spell states that the material is consumed, in which case the material component that's consumed must be provided every time the spell is to be cast. If a spellcaster wishes to cast a spell that has a material component, they must have a hand free to manipulate the components or the spellcasting focus they use. But the hand they use to manipulate these components can be the same hand they use to perform somatic components. Each spell is given a duration, meaning that the spell can only last so much time, although some spells have longer lasting effects if held for their duration. There are two special notes regarding duration. Spells with a duration of instantaneous tend to harm, heal, create, or alter a creature or object in such a way that it cannot be dispelled as the magic fades immediately after casting. 
Some spells with duration are marked with concentration. If a spell requires concentration, the concentration must be kept the entire time or else the spell ends. Concentration can be dropped instantly, requiring no action to do so. Moving, attacking, or even casting other spells that don't require concentration won't break a caster's concentration. If a caster tries to cast another spell with concentration though, they lose their first spell, as a caster can only maintain concentration on one spell or ability that requires it at a time. When a spellcaster takes damage while concentrating on a spell, they are forced to make a constitution saving throw in order to maintain their concentration. The DC of this saving throw is 10, or half the damage they took, whichever is less. If a caster takes damage from multiple sources, they must make separate saving throws for each source of damage. Of course, if a caster is killed or incapacitated, they lose concentration as well. Sometimes, if a caster is buffeted or disturbed in some way, such as being crashed over with a wave while on a ship, they may have to make a concentration check as well. When it comes to spell or range, there are three types. Self, touch, and a certain range expressed in feats. Spells with a range of self can only be cast by the caster or on the caster. This is typically used with either spells designed to protect the caster, or some utility spells such as Detect Magic or Divination, which gather information. But spells with effect areas that must originate from the caster will also have a range of self, such as Cone of Cold, which has a range of self, but follows up by specifying that it creates a 60-foot cone. A spell with a range of touch can only target a creature that the caster can touch, including the caster. This usually puts the caster in attack range of an enemy if the spell is being used on a combatant, but some touch spells are healing or a buff instead, such as cure wounds or haste. If a spell has a number of feet listed for its range, the caster's target whether that's a creature or a point of origin for an area of effect, must be within that range from the caster. Unless otherwise stated, a spell is not affected by range after it is cast, an example being Moonbeam, which can be moved 60 feet on each of the caster's turns as an action, but isn't bound by the 120 foot range after it is initially cast. In order to select a target for a spell, such as a creature, object or point of origin for a spell, the caster must have a clear path to the target, meaning it cannot be behind total cover, which means it is totally concealed by a barrier, such as a wall or a large boulder. If a caster tries to place their spell effect origin at a point they cannot see which is behind total cover, the spell's point of origin appears on the caster's side of the obstruction. Even if a spell has a range, a caster can target themselves unless the spell specifies otherwise. If a spell has an area of effect and the caster is within it, the caster can target themselves. A spell that affects an area will typically take one of five shapes, those being a cone, a cube, a cylinder, a line, or a sphere. Every spell will have a point of origin 
from which the spell's energy expands in straight lines. If no straight line from the origin extends to a point, that point is not within the area of effect. These imaginary lines can only be blocked by total cover, as we discussed. Each shape has rules regarding how the origin must be placed. A cone extends in the direction of the caster's choice to the distance listed in the spell. The width of the cone at any given point is equal to the distance from the point of origin. A cone does not contain the point of origin, which is often the caster themselves, unless the caster decides to allow it to. When a cube's point of origin is selected, the caster is selecting a space anywhere on a face of the cube to have the magic expand from, with the size listed in the spell being the length of the sides of the cube. The point of origin is not included in a cubic area of effect unless the spellcaster lets it be included. A cylinder's point of origin is the center of a circle either on the ground or at the height specified in the spell, and the magic expands from the point in straight line to the perimeter of the circle then shoots straight up or down to the base or height of the cylinder, whichever the origin wasn't a part of. A spell's description will include both the radius of the circles that make up the base and the top, and the height of the cylinder. A cylinder's point of origin is included in the area of effect. A line is pretty much self-explanatory, extending from the point of origin in a straight line. Line spells will include their length and width in their description, and they do not include the point of origin unless otherwise decided by the caster. When a caster throws a spell with a spherical area of effect, they select the center for the sphere of origin, which expands from that point to the radius specified in the spell's description. A point of origin of a sphere is always included in the area of effect. One last note regarding magic we should discuss is the combining of magical effects. Different spells can overlap and have their effects both applied to creatures in their areas for their durations, but a creature cannot be under the effect of two of the same spell at the same time. Rather, only the most potent version matters, or the most recent if they have the same power but different durations. For example, a character can have both false life and aid cast on them at the same time, but if someone tried to cast aid again, the new aid would replace the old spell if they were the same level, and the highest bonus would be what sticks if they were cast at different levels. Magic is complex and full of nuances. It's not entirely freeform, but don't let that fool you. Casters can pull off some crazy tricks using complex and specific magic in a focused and well thought out manner. An example being a single caster being able to use a 7th level spell followed by a 5th level spell to almost guarantee kill any creature with no range or teleportation that fits within a 20 foot box. This is just one combat trick. Not to mention the piles of utility spells that can suddenly make a party nearly unkillable and make dungeon puzzles trivial. Be careful out there. Magic is everywhere, and if you don't respect it, it may turn against you. And if magic turns against you, 
you may not like what it does. Until next time, I'd like to thank you for listening, and I ask you to rate us highly on whatever channel you're using to listen. If you want to follow this on Twitter, check out at the Tavern Keep and tweet about us using hashtag Tavern Keep. There is now a Discord you can join, and the link is in the description. If you want to support this project, other than sharing it on social media, you could check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash the Tavern Keeps Guide. I'm Ryan, and this has been the Tavern Keeps Guide. Thank you, and make sure to tip the barmaids. <laughs>